Welcome to the Action Research Podcast. Somehow, the first podcast dedicated solely to action research. Each episode, action research experts Adam and Joe explore facets of this research methodology. Speaking with experienced and emerging action researchers, they aim to contribute to this important and growing field and understand the nuance and process of action research in action. My name is Adam Stieglitz, PhD candidate at the University of Louisville and also director and co-founder of the Andean Alliance for Sustainable Development, a social change organization in the highlands of Peru. My name is Joe Levitan, an assistant professor and graduate program director at McGill University, as well as the co-founder and co-director of Centro Educativo Payatayu, a community-based learning center in the Peruvian Andes. Today, we are excited to introduce Dr. Megan McGlynn-Manfra, who is an associate professor in the College of Education at North Carolina State University. She's also the author of Action Research for Classroom, Schools, and Communities, published by SAGE. Her research focuses on the integration of technology in secondary social studies classrooms and action research as a professional development tool for teachers. And one of the cool things about Dr. Manfra's work is that she started out her career as a high school teacher and did her first action research project in her classroom, which really got her interested in what action research can do for teacher professional development. And I guess, as I hope we'll find out in a little bit, kind of started off her career as a researcher and as a professor. Megan? Welcome to the Action Research Podcast. It's great to have you here. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. Cool. So I'm really excited for today's podcast. Yeah, like Joe said, thanks so much for coming on. We were talking earlier about how this is kind of like a new model for us because we just read your article and thought it was super interesting. And we just thought it would be really cool if you came on. So we really appreciate you doing that. And um, yeah, I think this would be a fun conversation. It's kind of the first time that we are focusing, particularly education and action research. This should be a great episode for you. Is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners some fun little fact about you that you might be interested in uh, sharing? So fun little fact about me. Well, I grew up with an avid fisherman. So not only am I good at action research, but I'm really good at hooking a worm and, uh, and setting tackle. So that's one thing you had to learn quickly in Asheville, North Carolina, where I grew up on the river that you often get your hook stuck in the trees. Great. Those are important skills. (laughs) Very. Survival skills. Yeah. Great. It's time for a lightning round. Adam and Joe have prepared some key questions for our guest. The challenge is to answer them in the shortest amount of time. Okay, let's do this. Our first question is, how do you define action research? Action research is systematic and intentional inquiry about your practice. Awesome. Question two, what does action research look like in education? In education, it closes the divide between practitioners and researchers. Third question, what has been the greatest challenge for you using an action research approach in your research? The biggest challenge is overcoming teachers' views about what research should look like. Yep, that makes sense. And finally, why is it important to incorporate action research into teacher professional development? It breaks down the one-size-fits-all approach to professional development and action research makes it meaningful to the teachers engaged. That brings us to the end of the lightning round. Well, that was about as lightning a lightning round as, as I think we've ever had on the action okay. <laughs> 
one of the things that we mentioned earlier was about how you started out as a high school teacher mm -hmm. uh, in North Carolina and you got introduced to action research while you were a teacher. So one of our questions is what was the impetus for incorporating action research into your field of study? So when I was a teacher, just starting off, that was back in the day when WebQuest became kind of a big thing as a buzzword in education. And it was also at the same time that accountability standards really became big in our state. In North Carolina, we had something called the ABCs, which was high stakes testing where teachers were given actually bonuses based on their student scores. So those two things sort of came together. And what I was interested in was whether or not I could use WebQuest, which were web-based inquiry projects with my students and still get these good results from them. And partly it was born out of some professional development. I had participated then, but it was also as part of a group of teachers. I was a young teacher and we were kind of internally within our department trying to figure out how best to approach these high stakes tests. And I had some faculty who were really about, we created hundreds of vocabulary cards for our students about U.S. history. And maybe it was like my own personal hypothesis that this would help students and make a difference. And so that's where it started. And I actually had an opportunity to present some of that research at a technology conference. And from there, it really spurred my interest in going back to graduate school. That's great. So I guess I'm kind of curious, since you said you were a young teacher, when you first started out, you started out studying education in North Carolina, and then you ended up teaching history. So what prompted you into taking this academic route? So I was interested in pursuing graduate study, and I actually was enrolled in a master's degree of history and ended up when I started thinking about the, sort of the next step, being really interested in taking my background in history and then pairing it with my interest in education. So I ended up pursuing a PhD in education. And actually my advisor was more focused on educational technology. So my dissertation should not have really been about action research, but as a teaching assistant in my graduate program, I worked with a group of teachers. They came back for an MED. And so this was, you know, they had already been teaching for several years and they came back for graduate study. And so what was a kind of cool model is I was their teaching assistant in every single class they took across their 30-hour program. And so one of the courses they took was on action research. And I just saw these teachers come alive in that course and their projects. Teachers who had been kind of resistant maybe or really skeptical, they just created these really cool action research projects. And that became my dissertation and really changed the way I thought about the way we work with teachers, both in teacher education and sort of a formal setting and then in more informal professional development. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about like what it looks like when you use action research in the field with teachers? I think it's evolved over time, Adam, actually. So I think the less effective approach I've tried is when I do, like, I've worked with whole schools of teachers and kind of give them an overview of the action research methods and then encourage them to conduct their own research and share the results. And that, I think, feels pretty daunting for the teachers. And so what I've come to, which seems like it works better for me and for the teachers I work with, is we often we'll focus on a particular sort of educational reform or something that we want to occur in the classroom. And then I provide quite a bit of support or scaffolding. So that might be like a reflective 
prompts for them to record, like in their planning, implementation, reflection stages of instruction, or something of that nature. So I, what I found over time is that, and it, it actually bears out in some of the research I watched or read, that a little bit more scaffolding, a little bit more support for teachers seems to be a pretty effective and fruitful way to engage them in action research. Interesting. A follow-up question there. So as full-time faculty, I'm curious how you engage with schools or mm-hmm. or faculty, right? I mean, in, in yeah. theory, action research revolves around a particular challenge and it sounds like there's yeah, that can be pretty latent within some of these schools that you're working with. What's your process for like integrating with the community of teachers or schools that you're partnering with? Yeah. So one recent example is I received funding through the Spencer Foundation. And so there I worked with a group of eight high school teachers at a school. And that's kind of referring back to my previous example. We really focused on teaching with inquiry and the social studies. And so I engaged them in a series of three rounds of iterative rounds of action research. And we met periodically throughout the time. And basically what I did is conducted a qualitative wraparound study of their individual action research. And so it was sort of a nested model. So I've been playing a lot with this idea of a nested model of action research within Kate qualitative case study. What's an example of a case study that you're working on? Yeah, so so this particular one from the Fencer Foundation was, um, again, focused on the integration of inquiry in the social studies. And we focused on a particular framework. It's called the C3 framework. It's college, career, and civic readiness. What I was trying to understand is the pedagogical changes of the teachers as they engage in these multiple rounds of action research. Needless to say, it was pretty, it got pretty complex because I had these eight teachers in different places in their use of inquiry and different comfort level with conducting research in their classrooms. And so um, it was really interesting but I think that it generated more questions probably than than answers, which I guess that's what action research is about, though. So I'm curious about how you approach building relationships and power dynamics with teachers engaging in cycles of action research. The first thing is that these were teachers that we worked with for several years, and several of the teachers actually had been in our master's program or graduate program of education. And so we've developed relationships with them. We had to have a lot of conversations conversations, for instance, like they would ask me questions like, well, what are you looking at? What do you want us to do? I was hoping that just the method would empower them to feel like they had their own professional choices they could make and that I was relying on them. And that wasn't enough. I had to be much more explicit to them that I really wanted them to to try things out that that I was relying on their expertise to understand what was happening and that they could kind of push back on some of the the things we're talking about. So like if this framework wasn't exactly helpful for them, I wanted to hear why and to get some feedback from them. The dynamic of capital R research is so powerful for all of us engaged in educational research. And I think teachers are certainly not used to being the knowledge developers when it comes to educational research and findings. So it positions us all in different places when we engage in this work. Yeah, definitely. So this is one of the perennial issues that I think research 
in general engages in, uh, but also action research in particular, because it is explicitly focused on more democratic, more equitable and just power dynamics. That it's just a tricky question that you got to navigate with every context. You know, I think offering students and budding researchers some tools to think about, to reflect on how power dynamics play out in the in the context is really useful. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and some of my early work, particularly one of the things I uncovered with my first study when I was doing my dissertation research is that the way action research is theorized is like there's, it's almost a dichotomy between practical or more critical approaches to action research. But I really believe there's a middle ground there that even the most sort of practical topic that a teacher pursues as a action researcher can lead to pretty critical, and I'm meaning like more democratic experiences in the classroom, more just teaching. And so I, I think that we're actually um, kind of disadvantaging our participants when we engage in action research by not thinking more broadly about sort of a continuum of action research. And instead of just sort of pushing for some kind of critical approach that may be kind of overwhelming for teachers who are dealing with really nitty-gritty everyday types of problems in their classroom that they need solved. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's a really important point, and I think it's worth uh, repeating, just that there's a wide variety of types of action research that will respond to specific needs, and that's one of the principles of it. I think you're right that we do a disservice to any participants if we get stuck in one way of doing things without thinking about all of the varieties of ways of uh, going about doing action research. So that's a really great point. Yeah, it's just the notion, of course, that you meet people where they are. And I think also this notion of action research as a cycle um, is really important because then you see it as iterative and that there's some change over time that you're working through. I think when we pull action research into really traditional settings, like for instance, in our master's program where you have one semester to conduct it, you don't really get that beauty of the cycle where you can keep going back and trying to dig deeper around an issue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to pull a question from um, Shika, who wrote it in the chat box. You mentioned earlier that one of the challenges uh, you face in implementing action research and education is the views of teachers, how research should look. So would you mind talking a little bit more about that? I wonder if it's not similar to what the broader public may view as research, like quasi-experimental design, you know, control groups and things, that there's this capital R research out there that's some kind of gold standard. And so when I'm working with teachers and saying, you know, like your reflection on this practice, that's data and that's really valuable data for us. I think that that sometimes is surprising or they feel a little skeptical about it. But that type of insider knowledge is so valuable to us as educational researchers at the university um, because it gives us some insight into the practical concerns and the the sort of day-to-day -day issues that the teachers we're partnering with are facing. And are there any challenges that you run into in working with teachers from like a bureaucratic lens or anything? I mean, when I think of like the education system, I think of very like tight barriers as far as how far you can push the boundaries and be creative with how teachers are developing. And an action research approach pushes those boundaries. But do you, do you get any sort of feedback for trying to bring this more creative or innovative approach to the system? Okay, so the most obvious is that teachers don't feel like they have time to conduct action research in their day, right? So they can't fit this into their workday. 
particularly if you have this notion of sort of an experimental design. But if you can break that down to think about that data is everywhere and that they can collect data in practice as they're going about their day, then I think we can begin to encourage broader participation. Probably the biggest success I've had working with teachers has been around a project like that Spencer project I mentioned, or a course where teachers say, hey, I have to conduct this research for a class or for a project. And so it creates some kind of space for them, some real systematic like kind of structure around which they can do action research. Of course, the other issue we face is when it comes to understanding student data. And so one of the things we did was ask our teachers to collect student work samples and to analyze those samples and then share their analysis with us. And that, again, was another sort of step that we needed to scaffold and support for the teachers because that wasn't necessarily, I mean, I think they do that um, in terms of the way they assess student work anyway, but this kind of formalized it from looking at it as them becoming students of their student, trying to see patterns in their student data. And so those two things, I would say, so the time and structure of it, and then as well as like getting to the student outcomes and really trying to get into the student data are two things that are often limitations. I think on the other side of it is, it's hard for us as educational researchers to get student data, to get the understanding of the student outcomes. And so in some ways too, I'm beginning to think that particularly now with the pandemic and the lack of accessibility to classrooms, that this might be one of the only real entrees is to understand student outcomes through their teachers' um, understandings of what's happening in the classroom. I wanna segue slightly, just a little bit, with a question from Vanessa who is doing her action research dissertation on incorporating student voice. So mm -hmm. I was curious about student voice and the way in which you approach kind of teacher professional development and action research and if there's any connections or if it, you know, based on the bureaucratic structures or the frameworks that you're using that that doesn't seem to happen. I'm just curious about that. Yeah, no, so what, I have a lot of thoughts about this, actually. So um, I think one of the things that's sometimes surprising is how little teachers listen to students in the classroom or how much, although students may be talking constantly, I don't know that they're really trying to understand student experiences. And so going back to like those teachers I worked with in the MED program, when they interviewed their students, even if they were like short interviews, like two minute, three minute little side conversations, they found that to be so extremely valuable, not only to the relationship with their student, but just kind of understanding the student experience and improving their students' outcomes. And I wonder if action research may be like a really powerful tool for accessing student voice as opposed to some other approaches to research. Yeah, I 100% agree. And not to make this interview about me, but we have a book coming out that's basically about that student voice research methods using participatory action research and other approaches. Mm -hmm. how, how do you think about student voice? Well, basically what you said kind of resonates with the whole field of student voice, which is like teachers when they listen to students, actually listen to students rather than just have them talk or listen to them to see if they're getting the right answers, but actually listen to their perspectives as agents in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really powerful way to understand how to transform classrooms to be 
you know, more engaging, improve student outcomes, more socially just. Mm -hmm. um, and you need to use action research principles in order to actually make change happen when you're listening to student voices. Mm -hmm. You can do other kinds of student voice work that's like large scale, like student surveys and stuff like that. You know, when you get down to it, having time and space to actually listen to students can be really helpful for teachers and classrooms and the schools in general. I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of ways to engage in student voice work. And this is not the segue that I meant to go. I just kind of, mm -hmm. we, we, yeah, just, we nice. just submitted the manuscript. So I'm kind of like excited about it. But Congratulations. Yeah. Let's have to check it out. I mean, because one of the things, so you mentioned agency and that's going back to the question about impact. I think agency is one of the things that I might also talk about empowerment or that teachers feel more empowered. And so the other thing I've sort of thought about is like this learning ecology. So if you think about there's the student in a teacher's classroom, that teacher's classroom is within a school, that school's within a district or community. And so just thinking about these layers and how these layers can inform each other and perhaps even shift policy across those different layers. So I often refer to a teacher who was in a graduate class that did some research on students and it started with student assessment, right? So why were some students not doing well compared to their peers? But then what she began to see is a pattern um, where these students were being bused to the school from. Then she began to see patterns in disciplinary referrals. So she began to, and she had just started interviewing three students. Then she shared this with her uh, fellow teachers. She shared it with the you know administration. She reached out into the community. And so that's the type of thing I mean, like just by actually asking kids, what's your experience? What's happening here? It led to this really greater awareness about what was happening within that really complex uh, ecology there. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that that is really one of the things that we find when engaging with concepts like agency, democracy, active democracy, participatory democracy, participation, who can use the word empowerment, you know, and, and the ways in which people having a say, having some uh, contribution and influence on the things that are happening around them really can make a huge difference in, you know, what we learn, what we understand, and also how we experience the world. This is really interesting for me. I'm obviously outside of the realm of education, at least in the realm that, that you guys are talking about. So I, I think this is really interesting. I mean, the, where my mind starts going, I always kind of keep peeling back the layers, you know, and in my mind, I'm going to like, you know, how does this affect policy? What would policy change look like? You know, Joe, you were talking about some of these processes and how ultimately that can really have an impact, you know, and like, I guess I kind of want to push the two of you a little bit further to keep talking about where this ultimately goes for either the students involved or the teachers, um, especially if it's at a policy level, because I'm a big advocate for using action research to push policy, but it's challenging. And I think in education, you know, it's, it's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity because policy exists within these like structures. So there, there is a platform for it, but like, how do we use action research to actually push it, you know, and take it to that next level, <clears throat> whether it be through advocacy or assessments like you were talking about or, or test results, I don't know. That, that's where I, I'm kind of out of my comfort zone a little bit, but I guess I'm curious what you all think about that. So in the article that you referenced, I um, premise that there's another approach to teaching, that teaching is inquiry. And so impact, 
for me in that way is that a teacher would become sort of systematically and intentionally reflective about practice in a way that is improving not only their experiences, but also those of their students. I really like the way I think Cochran Smith and Lionel talk about like changing the stance in the classroom away from um, some of the other like process product stances that we often see in teaching to teaching as inquiry, like that you're constantly trying to hone this craft of teaching to improve and sort of through a constant improvement cycle. I think that university school partnerships may be one avenue for really amping up the impact of action research on policy. I'm not sure that individual teachers conducted research in their classroom have as much opportunity perhaps to be advocates. I think that one of the things that's actually really cool to see is when a group of action researchers come together and they can support each other's in their work and then also support each other in disseminating what they found. So one of the, perhaps one of the things that's most lacking in action research is often it's not shared, right? So we're kind of, we need to find good venues for dissemination of action research. But going back to the university school partnerships, there's lots of examples of really powerful and larger scale collaborations of action research that I think have shifted practices and have made a difference in policy. One of the sort of most obvious one is the writing project. You know, that's where in the United States, a lot of action research sort of originated and became more mainstream. And so those projects engaged a lot of teachers and action research around teaching and actually evolved to become really critical and engaged in social justice work. There's an old project that Lawrence Stenhouse conducted in England that I often will point back to that it was called Teaching About Race Relations Program. And they looked at different schools and they did this project over three years. And I, I guess had mixed results, but it provides a nice model for really purposely trying to shift policy or practice on a larger scale through action research. That's awesome. One of the things that jumped out to me in your article, you focus on understanding changes in teacher pedagogical content knowledge, disciplinary inquiry, and critical pedagogy through action research, I quote. And um, one of the things that you mentioned was that in order to, to push these practices forward, the field has to overcome barriers, including the marginalization of action research, logistical issues associated with conducting action research, and the dissemination of findings. Mm -hmm. So I think as we start to wrap up this conversation, I was wondering if you could touch on that and talk perhaps about some of the ways in which we can address those barriers. And also perhaps, you know, if you could share some advice with our listeners who are approaching the field of education and action research and share some words of wisdom with them based on your experience. Yes, so definitely there's barriers and you did a nice summary of those barriers, including, again, sort of this definition of what rigorous or valid um, research would be. So the first way to overcome that is to shift our focus more towards trustworthiness and to empower teachers or whoever is conducting the action research that by providing ample evidence to support their assertions that they engage the reader in understanding the trustworthiness of their findings. The other point, again, just to reiterate, I think that university school partnerships or university teacher partnerships is one way 
to overcome some of these barriers because the university can provide the resources, the time, the space, the guidance, and then the school and to really support the schools, particularly if they're willing to listen to teachers and schools about the types of issues that matter to them and to to confront those issues. I think the other thing I hear is that by engaging teachers in community practice, it breaks down a lot of the barriers because so frequently teachers are kind of islands unto themselves, perhaps, particularly in the states. We, you know, we set up the sort of single cell model where you're in your own classroom and you're just sort of left to your own devices. And so what this does is create some support for really engaging in action research is kind of risky, right? So it's it's opening yourself up to critique, it's opening up your classroom to scrutiny. And so by providing um, some kind of community or practice for action research, I believe that that will provide more support for overcoming some of those limitations and those barriers. Awesome. Any advice to budding educators in action research? I think the tides are changing. I think that what we are seeing is much more interest in action research, that um, there's much more openness in understanding that context matters, that individual experiences are extremely important for understanding why things work and how they work. And so I believe that we're going to see more and more interest in integrating action research into more mainstream, if you will, beginning to see more of the power of this approach for bringing about real change. I certainly hope so too. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. This has been such an enjoyable and for me, informative and educational conversation. Yeah, this thank is fun to talk about my favorite thing. Nerd it out. I'm like smiling like crazy. <laughs> Love it. Uh, we, we like to nerd out here on the Action Research <laughs> Podcast. So. I do want to just do one thing. I just want to make sure that our listeners know to look for your article, Action Research and Systemic Intentional Change in Teaching Practice, which was published in 2019 in the journal Review of Research and Education. We want to make sure people have access to some great resources. So wanted to put that out there before we close up the recording. Nice to meet you all. Have a good night. Bye. How have you found yourself in the world of action research? Want to be interviewed or share one of your projects? Engage in interactive dialogue with Joe, Adam, and other experts and listeners in the community on Twitter at the underscore AR pod or the Action Research Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on most major podcast distribution platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Action Research Podcast, created by Adam Stieglitz, Joe Levitan, Shikha DeWalker, and Vanessa Gold. See you next time.